Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Take advantage of the advanced video capabilities offered by Bosch to help reduce your shrink risk. Integrate video recordings with point-of-sale data for visual verification of transactions and exception reporting. Use video analytics for immediate notification of important AP-related events and leverage analytics metadata for fast forensic searches for evidence and to improve merchandising and operations. Learn more about extending your video system beyond simple surveillance in Zones 1 through 4 of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at boschsecurity.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime Science Weekly. Uh, I'm joined uh, by my co-host, Tony, and Reed's uh, out traveling. I think we're all traveling now. Now we're back uh, in the swing of things to a certain degree. So today I'm going to be brief and talk about a a couple topics. One that we always talk about, which I think is ransomware. And, um, you know, this is something that I'm pretty proud of as Tony, myself, and Reed talk a lot about trying to stay ahead of, you know, some of the larger news media organizations. But when we talked about some of these ransomware attacks that occurred over the 4th of July weekend, um, I made some bold statements about the U.S. government getting involved in what would occur. And the group Revel um, mysteriously vanished. And um, what has occurred, and this has been pretty public, half of this has been pretty public at this point, is uh, the U.S. government got with the Russian government and basically through back channels said, you need to stop these guys. Um, they're causing major issues. And uh, this group has, has vanished. And through the help of two governments working together, um, we're not quite sure what that means, if they're going to turn up somewhere or they're gone. But what all of the intelligence analysts are pointing to is that the Russian government basically said, hey, cut it out. You've, draw the, you've drawn the attention of the United States government and they're now angry and they're coming after you. And this is creating diplomatic issues. So uh, the power of the U.S. government, the power of any of the, the nation states, when it's not a nation state sponsored attack, really does um, kind of a, a play, a, play a significant role. And Russia uh, is a little different than China. Um, and this is all based on intelligence communication, where um, a lot of times China is directly involved. Russia kind of has a don't ask, don't tell type of po- policy when it comes to um, this type of activity, where if you're in Russia and you don't do anything nefarious towards the Russian government or anybody that they're directly allied with. Um, it actually, there is no impact, uh, although, although they're not generally nation state, state attacks where the government is actively involved. So this is a good example of where the government basically said, hey, do it. Um, we don't have a problem if you do it, as long as you don't do it to you know any Russian um, entities. Or, and, and this is a, a very general statement. Uh, and kind of semantics at the same time, but now that it created issues for them, they went in and said, hey, knock it off. So um, while this is a great story, the bad side of this is Revel has vanished. So you have several thousand people who are left with the challenge of their files encrypted, and they've either made a ransom payment and not got a decryption key, or they can't get in touch with anybody. So this is this double-edged sort of Yes, it, it does really sincerely look like this group is is vanished, much like the last time this happened. Um, uh, the Revel group, uh, the Dark Trace group, also stopped operating, shut, closed up shop, if you will. Um, and actually, my my hypothesis here is that you'll eventually see some of these people being caught uh, 
um, whether they're caught while they're on vacation or handed over, I believe that will happen. The challenge comes into play today is, yeah, the group has stopped and that's fantastic news for everybody that has um, a challenge with ransomware. The, 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 the issue is that now some people are not able to decrypt their computers, um, which is obviously a, a major concern if you were trying to work with that person. Although I don't necessarily recommend making payments, I also say that it's a very, it is a business decision that only you and your business can make based on where you're at. Um, so a lot, I think we'll continue to hear more about this, the ransomware, but I do think that as we spoke about it, uh, even a month ago, when you have the highest level of the federal government attacking um, the, the folks that are doing this, both financially, politically, and actually going, going physically after folks, you see the tide changing because of the fact that the, the risk doesn't outweigh the reward when the U.S. government is coming after you. So I, I still believe it's, it's the biggest threat that's out there for both businesses and individuals, but I do also believe that the government is taking a, a much greater approach, which, which in turn will, in fact, stop some of this from reoccurring. So uh, we'll keep tuned to that. And then I'll just close out with, an, uh, there was a study done um, around, <clears throat> excuse me, cybersecurity and, and really uh, heavily focused on um, remote work by Theoretic Century, which is a cloud provider. And it was a pretty alarming study. It was, um, although they don't give specifics of you know the, who they would reach out to, um, it is, where, where it's really concerning is that 79% of the people that were involved engage in known risky behavior um, with, with when using remote work computers, more than a third of them, you know, save their passwords and their, their browsers and use similar passwords uh, in other accounts. And then when you, when you go further, 98% of the people in the survey answered an understanding that, you know, clicking at emails and um, of unknown sources and sharing credentials with col uh, colleagues was extremely risky. So why this survey is so daunting is the simple fact is people are acknowledging we know this behavior is extremely risky, but we're doing it anyway. And we're doing it anyway in a large proportion when you think about um, when you think about uh, it's almost eight out of 10 people that responded are saying, yeah, we do this and, and you know, I, we're doing it. And uh, then when you go even further into to the survey and you, under, you have a great understanding that these folks that are taking the surveys have a clear understanding of what is occurring. This isn't a case where um, they're not sure the behavior is risky. They're actually doing it with full, uh, full know-how that there is a risky behavior. So um, this is very alarming. Uh, what it really states it, it, when you think about remote work is that there's a need for continuous education awareness, why we're doing this podcast today, to talk about the importance of not reusing passwords, to talk about the importance of updating and patching, to talk about the importance of um, making sure that you don't click on links and download files that you don't know what it is. Um, one of the, the things that really, really stood out for me is that the very specific risky behavior that people said, yeah, we do it. And um, while it's a survey, so you can't really talk to them um, you know, to know what they were thinking. The other one thing that gl glaring was glaring for me for remote work is 
a relatively low percentage of uh, people, 26% associated um, a risk with allowing their family members to use company devices. And we talk about this all the time, you know, kids, um, and I have young kids, but regardless of how old your children are, using your computers to play video games, to do things, to download um, things, that there's a risk associated with it. Most um, most companies, and this is a broad or general statement, put a lot of role-based access controls to try to limit that. But there is that swing of pendulum of, I want to make sure that my associates can use their computers for what they need, get their work done um, while still keeping safe. So even in a, in a zero trust environment, there is a reality of we want people to be able to work. We want people to be able to continue to use their equipment um, and not lock it down to the point of no return, if you will, where you really can't do anything. So um, I think we'll continue to see this trend. I, I, I do believe that the remote work uh, is turning more into a hybrid work and we'll see people uh, in both situations. But I also would say, you know, outright that we'll continue to see threat vectors that occur because of what 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 we what we're seeing with remote work, um, I do also say that although, and I want to make sure that I say this, although I think there's some great progress with the U.S. government taking the approach of, you know, we're going to try to limit, if you will, some of these bad actors from doing the things that they're doing. There still really is a potential for ransomware. It's still going to be one of the greatest pieces of attack. And then lastly, and we talked a little bit about it. Um, is there hasn't been much more chatter on the, the China um, being involved in the Microsoft Exchange attack. We'll continue to monitor that. The U.S. government has taken a stance. China has denied it, and it's somewhat fizzled out. So I think we'll continue to see more with that on that front, and we'll continue to keep you up to speed. And with that, I'll turn it over to Tony. Thank you very much, uh, Tom. So Reed is actually today at a Kroger Company Integrated Solution Summit. So he's actually not recording today. We're doing this podcast because there's so much great information available out there that we want to make sure you don't miss every week in terms of what is going on. Reed will be back with us next week. And actually, I'm in the middle of uh, researching right now what's going to happen, the balance of this year both in the global economies and retail, and what are some of the key trends that are sticking uh, for the rest of this year that will impact the, the uh, holidays. Uh, and this is for one of my next articles that I'm working on. So today, this audience gets an ad advanced preview of some of that research. So let me start with first, uh, what's the global economic outlook uh, gonna look like? This is the latest forecast for the uh, quarter three 2021 from Euromonitor. And what they're projecting is that the global economy is now expanding fast uh, with recovery continue to be aggressive at 6% in 2021. And it will, will continue to grow very nicely next year in 2022 at 4.6%. Uh, the global uh, real GDP growth has remained unchanged since the last forecast in Q2. But what the forecast did change is that the developed economies are doing better and the developing, so emerging economies are doing worse coming out of this pandemic and the new forecast, they actually revised the forecast down for developing economies. Global output is estimated to have returned to pre-pandemic uh, mid-year of this year, 
but it's actually 2% below the pre-pandemic forecast levels, even when you get to 2023. So we're not as robust as we would have been had there been no pandemic, but we are coming back extremely strong. For the US, and this number surprised me, uh, Euromonitor is projecting GDP growth to 6.7% this year. And that's actually getting close to what China is seeing this year. China is projected to grow this year 8.6%. Europe or the Eurozone remains the slowest uh, part of the world that is growing. So their global domestic product is only going to grow this year 4.3%. For next year, 2022, globally, again, GDP is expected to be up 4.6%. U.S. is expected to be up 43 China 5.5 and the Eurozone 4.3. So good two years of growth projected by Euromonitor and the overall economies. Shifting gears to retail sales and how are we doing globally retail sales and where we have expected um, to grow. Um, so starting again, reminding you what I said in a couple of podcasts ago, the US had a solid June uh, with uh, sales being up 0.8% from, from uh, and then being up 12.5% for the first six months of the year, up 16%. So really robust, robust. According to NRF revised forecast, uh, retail sales are ex- for 2021, retail sales are expected to grow anywhere from 105 to 13.5%. So good year in the U.S. for retail sales this year. Same thing in China. China had a June for, uh, sales increase of 12%, which was slightly down than May's 12.4%. And for the year, they're expected to grow an amazing 14.7%, so nearly 15% uh, retail sales. And again, Europe is the uh, laggard, the Eurozone, the 19 countries that share the, the Euros. They're, for May, their retail sales were up 4.6% which was 9% higher than the year earlier. But they, the year, the month before in April, they fell 3.9%, although that was much higher than the pen, really pandemic-induced year, which um, it was up 23% on the year earlier in 2019. So Europe is a laggard in terms of retail. Uh, U.S. and China lead the world in terms of the aggressive growth that has taken place. Uh, some hints from Salesforce on a new survey of the what the uh, retailers are gonna be up against as the holidays come up here in the US. Uh, Salesforce is predicting that uh, US retailers will experience a labor shortage of about 350,000 workers in the November and during the holiday period. They're also gonna spend a lot more for goods and that number is $223 billion in the second half of 2021. Then in the same period last year, so costs are going up, the amount represents a 62% on last year's compromise of, it's comprised of an additional 12 billion spent with suppliers, 48 billion on wage expenses, and 163 billion on logistics costs. So costs are going up this holiday season, so the inflation headwinds potentially will impact some of the shopping. And finally, my really my favorite, and one of the things that I, that I that I saw this week that was interesting to me was from McKinsey that looked at uh, six months into 2021. They had predicted at the beginning of the year, some things would happen this year 
how are we actually doing? So from McKinsey, which trends are sticking six months into 2021? Uh, they see two consumer trends that are sticking. One is home nesting, the nationwide do-it-yourself and clean up binge. Almost three, almost three in 10 U.S. households renovated their homes or added fitness equipment during the pandemic. The same percentage should treat themselves to more home improvements. The other is the disruption in consumer loyalty. About three quarters of Americans changed their shopping habits in 2020, and 40% of these changed brands, twice the rate of 2019. Younger people were more likely than older ones to switch. And the implication, as McKinsey said, which I think is important, loyalty must be earned again and again, especially during the pandemic, because consumers easily switch. On travel, we are getting back on planes. As uh, as Tom said at the beginning of this, America and I'm moving again to see friends and family. In 2020, spending on travel fell more than um, 40%, and on business travel, more than 70%. Now, more than 60% of Americans uh, feel comfortable taking a vacation. Many are already doing so. Traveling around the July 4th was at record highs with um, the second half of June, almost 2 million people traveling through U.S. airports. So uh, the domestic uh, travel, especially for vacation, is back. Uh, business travel is starting, but it's not there yet. And innovation, uh, we're spending a lot more time during the pandemic uh, coming up with new companies. In January, we noted, uh, McKinsey noted that uh, new business applications in the third quarter of 2020 more than doubled from the same level in 2019. That included a 50% in application for high propensity business, which are more likely to have multiple workers. Uh, the number of startups have actually been going up dramatically. And, and what's encouraging is that uh, growth continues to be strong. Uh, since the U.S. Census Bureau started keeping statistics on the subject in 2005, no month recorded more than 340,000 new businesses until June 2020. Since then, every single month has at least reached that level, uh, which again, that's an amazing number, 340,000 new businesses. And the momentum is positive. For the first five months of 2021, so an average of 472,000 new business applications a month, many more than in the last five months of 2020, uh, even as unemployment rates continues to fall. So we continue to build businesses. On digital transformation, we continue to accelerate that. Uh, McKinsey, in their analysis, talked about that we're in the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, there's a lot more now applications of artificial intelligence, analytics, digitization, and other technologies. Um, and that continues uh, to accelerate. Uh, the, the COVID pandemic accelerated, sped up digitization by three to seven years, which was considered best in, which back in the old days, that was considered best in class. Uh, so we are, as I've been talking about on all these podcasts, digital transformation has been dramatically accelerated by the pandemic. And all the surveys from executives is that that trends will continue. They are investing in terms of how they will digitally transform their companies by adding more innovation and changing their business model. And then on consumer behavior, 
Uh, the, the big change in consumer behavior has been a shift to e-commerce and remote options. In the United States, e-commerce grew more than three times as quickly from 2019 to 2020 than the previous five years. And he, some Americans started buying cars online without even actually checking the tires as we did in the old days. Mass retailers online sales rose 93% in 2020. Apparel, fashion, luxury retailers, online penetration rose to 26% from 16%. And those are mostly sticking, although we're starting to go back to store. Uh, the challenge is that e-commerce is less profitable than in-store shopping. So we, uh, as McKinsey concluded, which I fully agree, we need to move towards a, a much more integrated omni-channel uh, structure where consumers can shop anywhere. And what was shocking to me is that their, one of their surveys found that two-thirds of uh, retailers don't consider om, um, omni-channel when they actually uh, make decisions for stores. So there's a lot of still work to do to actually get to a unified channel across both online and offline, because that trend is sticking, it's not gonna go away. The new services that came up during the pandemic, consumers like, such as buy online, pick up in stores, but they have to be optimized and be improved because they detract from margin. So the future is bright, the economy is strong going uh, into the second half of the year. Retail sales also very strong going into the second half of the year. Digitization is sticking. And really what we talk about a lot on this podcast is figuring out how to optimize it for both the green and how to minimize it for that red shopper is becoming much, much more important. So with that, we're going to close this week and looking forward to our net podcast where we'll talk about more what's happening with COVID around the world and the loss prevention Research Council. Signing up for Gainesville, this is Tony and Tom. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast, presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 